From radio shows past, this is Election Forum, a chance to hear from candidates in an unrehearsed broadcast debate. I'm Pat Cashman. With us are the two candidates for State Senate District 72. First of all, Calvert Watkins. Hello there. And his opponent, Mr. Jeffrey Nunberg. Hi, nice to be here. All right, gentlemen, I will pose a question. You'll each have just 30 seconds to respond, and so let's get started. First of all, where do you stand on new taxes? Mr. Watkins, 30 uh, seconds. Uh, what? 30 seconds. 30 seconds? That's right. Yep. How am I supposed to be able to respond in 30 seconds? I mean, that is no time at all. Well, those are the rules. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry, but... Uh, I mean, that is a complicated and uh, difficult question to answer okay. in uh, in five minutes, much less 30 seconds. It can't be done, and I, I resent the fact that we're constrained. Okay, 30 seconds is up. Oh, crying and up. now I'll address the same question to Mr. Jeffrey Nunberg. Sir, new taxes, where do you stand on that? I'm against them. That's it? That's it. Well, uh, you still have several seconds left. Okay, uh, well, I brought my harmonica along. Maybe i play a little something for you. All right. Okay. All right, Mr. Nunberg, your 30 seconds is up. Okay. Let's go to the next question now. Again, let's start with Calvert Watkins. All right. Sir, would you vote to continue the current primary voting setup, or would you go to a blanket primary? Uh, how much time do I have? Uh, you've got 30 seconds. 30 seconds? That's no time at all. Well, I'm sorry. Those are the rules. We yeah, have a very yeah. constricted time here uh, on the radio, and, yeah, and yeah. I'm sorry. That's what we're stuck with. All right, fine. Uh, how much time do I have left now? About 15. 15? How am I supposed to answer a question as complex, as multifaceted as that uh, in just 15? Time's up. Offer crime. Okay, same left. question now, Mr. Watkins. 30 seconds. I would uh, definitely go with the blanket primary. You want to add anything to that? Uh, That's it. Okay, you've got time left. Uh, well, luckily I brought my ukulele along. Thought mm-hmm. I'd play a little something for you. All right. Okay. You like that? That's very nice. Do you like that, Mr. Watkins? Oh, for crying out loud. And 30 seconds. Thank you there. Okay, uh, next question now. This is nuts. Back to Mr. Watkins now. How would you prioritize highway spending in this state, sir? There is no way that I or anybody can answer a question like that Um, in 30 seconds. It's not enough time. It's not enough time. It's not enough. You know, I'm really sorry you feel that way. You uh, want to have I, a debate. You give again people. Uh, I didn't make the rules the here. Time to answer the question correctly. This you is. Don't have much time left. Thirty seconds is impossible. It's it's a. Uh, well, I guess Your I. Time can, is up. Oh, and so, Mr. Nunberg, same not, question not for you. Where would you prioritize crazy, highway spending? You know something. I have to agree with my opponent here. Okay. Right. The thirty seconds is a ridiculously short amount of time to answer a question like that. Well, there you go. There mm-hmm. you go. Mm-hmm. Finally. So what would you like to do with uh, the rest of your time? Well, I brought my accordion along. All right. Oh, come okay. on now. This is nuts. What are you doing? What kind of debate is this? This concludes Election Forum. What do you mean concludes? I'm sorry. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Damn it. Now, this guy uh-huh. gets up there. Right. And he plays a, a, a stinking, uh, what was it? Harmonica. Yeah. And then he plays a ukulele, and then and then wraps it up with that the accordion. That's not yeah. fair, and I deserve a chance for rebuttal. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that, Mister Nunberg? Yeah, I think it's fair. All right. 
Um, all right, Mr. Calvert Watkins. Yeah. What do you got? I um, I brought along my zither. Your zither. Mm-hmm. All right. He's very good. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for a Peculiar Podcast. In your wildest dreams, you could not imagine the marvelous surprises that await you. Hosted by Pat Cashman. He had a fiery quality on the stage and off the stage, and he was gorgeous to look at. And back by his side, Lisa Foster. She has tattoos, she's cool. She's dangerous. Broadcasters turned rogue podcasters. This <laughs> just a real nice surprise. They're back and on demand. Just press the button. See, you're off. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. <laughs> Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it, yeah. A singer-songwriter named Tony Joe White died at the age of 75 recently. Have you ever heard of Tony no. Joe? Tony Joe White? No. It was said I'm the sheriff of Calhoun Parish Not to ever touch his daughter Anna Lee he, I just, you know, we've talked about this before that, that there, all of us, I think, have certain artists, certain singers, songwriters that just they just you dig them and and nobody else has heard of them. Now I'm not saying nobody's heard of Tony Joe White, but it, it's kind of an acquired taste. He looked when he was young sort of like Elvis, but he didn't sound like him at all. He really didn't have a very good singing voice. Then one night at a dance, you walked up to me and asked me would I meet her down by the creek. But uh, I mean, conventional singing voice. But uh, he, his songs were those, well, he's one of those guys that wrote great songs, but other artists did better jobs with his songs than he did, mm. if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, um, here's one uh, he did called, uh, I Got a Thing About You, Baby. I've got something to tell you, I think that you ought to know. I've had my eyes on you, baby, since a long time ago. And now I finally got the nerve and I'm gonna make my move. Now don't you try to turn me off, cause it's gonna be hard to do. I gotta think about you, baby. Ain't nothing I can do. I gotta think about you, baby. Think about loving you. And that's okay, but but Elvis Presley covered it and did it better. I got something to tell you, but I think you want to know. That my eyes are home, baby, since a long time ago. Now I finally got the nerve, and I'm gonna make my move. Now don't you try to turn me off, cause it's gonna be hard to do. I got a thing about you, baby, ain't nothing I can do. I got a thing about you, baby, a thing about loving you. Here's uh this this was a big this was the biggest hit Tony Joe White ever had. Poke salad and oh, yeah. you have to remember. Yeah, that. yeah. I'm down in Louisiana. 
That's pretty cool. But then Tom Jones did it. Arguably cool. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I think this this is one of my favorite songs of all time. Tony Joe White wrote "Rainy Night in Georgia." A rainy night in Georgia. A rainy night in Georgia. Oh, leave it's raining all over the world. But covered more famously by a guy named Brooke Benton. A rainy night in Georgia. A rainy night in Georgia It seems like it's raining all over the world Who I've never heard of. I feel like it's raining all You wouldn't have heard of him if you didn't, if you didn't know that song. Yeah. And then uh, one other example I'll give you is a, a song called Steamy Windows. Steamy But then later covered by Tina Turner. Ah, yes. So I guess uh, Tony Joe White passes away in relative obscurity, even though he uh, wrote some great songs. Uh, he came to Central Oregon. Uh, about two years ago. Everybody and comes to Central Oregon. <laughs> they, they? they do. Every time I talk to you, you're like, I got to tell you about who came to Central Oregon. What, well, is, little telling, what is it about little, Central Oregon that ever, that all these celebrities want to flock to it? I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess this little town has grown up. Uh, it's uh, like, you know, 10 times the size of when I was a kid. So it's more of a legitimate destination for big time acts. But he was playing at a little nightclub, and I, I found out about it the day after he came to town, and I was really upset. Oh, man. But then I thought, well, if he came to Bend once, he's going to come again. So, like, routinely, every week, I would scour this entertainment newspaper that they have down here. And I'm looking for him, and I never see him, I never see him, until the other day. I saw his obituary. Oh, no. So I figure now there's not a really good chance I'm ever going to get to see him. You know you've got to pay the toll of even troll of rock and roll. Wow, he wrote a lot of good songs. I was, um, he did. I was reading an uh, obituary about Aretha Franklin who passed away a few months ago. We talked about what? that. Yes, she did. Oh. But I was really surprised to find out that uh, her uh, respect song R E S P E C T was originally originally done by I think it was Otis Redding. Otis Redding, and yeah. I never heard him sing it, but she made it her own. And I think it was just interesting that that became an anthem for you know women's rights and yeah. and you know he wrote it to to really tell his woman that he wanted a little respect when he got home. And I know, and, isn't that great? Yeah, it's such a great story. I had no idea. I always thought that was this hers. Th this is him. What you want, honey? 
But then this was her. And that part where she spells it out, that's not in the Otis Redding version. That's her idea. And you're right, I suppose there's a lot of examples of songs like that that somebody has one intention in mind when they write the song and then it gets appropriated. Sure. Uh, like uh, uh, Helen Reddy, you know, I Am Woman. I am woman, hear me Later done by me. <laughs> Not a hit. Not a hit. I am guy, hear me snore, too loudly to ignore. And I guess that's why I'm sleeping in the yard. A couple weeks ago, I did an event up in uh, Seattle called the James Beard Foundation Awards. Have you ever heard of uh, <laughs> no. James Beard? No. Did I talk about that? All? No, it's not the concrete that you told. The last time we talked, you went to a concrete convention. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, has uh, that has now set up. <laughs> Good. So, <laughs> yeah. what is this one? Tom Tom Douglas, for example, is a Beard Award winner. Maybe a couple of times. Okay, so it's not and for movies. It's for what though? It's it's for chefs. Oh, for it's food. For the, it's a foodie. Oh well, uh, award. So you didn't make that clear. Got it. Okay. James, yeah, I know. I know. I didn't. James Beard uh, was himself uh, a famous chef. I think he grew up in Oregon originally, and he. Um, uh, he was one of the very first to have uh, a presence on TV, cooking on TV, even before Julia Child came along. James Beard was America's first foodie. He was the first televised chef. He elevated the idea that American food could not only be novel, but fresh, farm to table. But you know how people often put extra ingredients into hamburger? Oh, cereal. Yes, that type of thing. No, I'm a purist. His knowledge of food was encyclopedic. I mean, he didn't know just about one varietal of blueberries. He knew ten. Hmm, <laughs> I'll have that recipe for my next book. And that was very important for a, for a young chef, and it created a new generation of chefs. So somehow along the way, the James Beard Foundation was formed to raise money for promising young chefs uh, who, you know, they, to, to advance their careers. This awards banquet, a, the food that is there is cooked by all of these great chefs. And so the, the meal alone is worth going oh, to. I it's bet. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's astounding. I began the evening by pointing out that the James Beard Awards was like the Oscars, except that there's not as much Botox in the room. <laughs> Good one. We're the country that has more food to eat than anywhere else in the world and more diet plans to keep us from eating it. Very true. And I think you'd agree with this. The toughest part of a diet isn't watching what you eat. It's watching what other people eat. <laughs> so I said, and I'm from a little town in central Oregon where the nicest restaurant is anyone where the server doesn't deliver your food on roller skates. <laughs> Finally, my dad always used to say this. Life is unsure, so eat your dessert first. Yes, I Andy like that. Don't you agree with that? Yes, I do. And yeah. life is and note, life is short. Uh, buy bigger pants. <laughs> note to vegetarians: plants are living things too. That's they're, true. They're just easier to catch. Yeah, that's very true. Catch as if you can. Catch as if you can.
you know, we're we're coming up as we're taping this, and uh, we're coming up on the midterm elections. And I had to take a step back from the news last week just because of uh, how bad everything was. <clears throat> and it was a tough, brutal week. And I had to step off of social media just because of all all the chatter going on. And I have been pretty much not turning, not even CBS this morning when I get up and make coffee, I'm not even turning on the news in the morning. I'm not even reading- Cartoons? Not even reading the New York Times in the morning. Nothing. For like five, I'm on day six now, and I'm feeling better. But what I am turning on on the TV is a station called Me TV. METV. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So you don't have to tell me about it. Yeah, I watch yeah, it all yeah. the time. So they have yeah. so they have, you know, Leave It to Beaver and uh, My mm-hmm. Three Sons. Gunsmoke. So yeah, I want to get to this. So so Gunsmoke, The Rifleman, yeah. uh, the Big Valley, uh what's the other one? What does that say about what's... us? That says we uh we want to return to happier days. Well, now now wait a second. So there was a, there it? was an episode that came on. If you really cuz I just have it playing in the background while I'm working. Yeah. And there was an episode, if you really listen to these old episodes, uh, they're extremely, I know this is not surprising, but they're extremely sexist and racist. There was a, a I think, I don't know if it was The Rifleman or there's another another Western that I, I'm not familiar with. But anyway. I think they run the, I think they run the Big Valley. Um, Gunsmoke. And there was another Maverick, one. Maverick, maybe. I don't, maybe it yeah. was Maverick. But, but I wasn't even watching, I was just listening. And there was... Some episode about a woman being mistreated. The Indians had captured her or some or the white men had captured her and she was their slave and they were, you know, messing her up a little bit. And whoever the star of the show is saying, well, you know, I don't like seeing any woman messed up, even if she is an Indian or or a white woman. And I'm like, I bet I know. What I'm like, it was. holy cow. Are you I'll, freaking I'll... kidding me? I'll bet it was wagon train. It, oh, maybe that was it. And yeah, I, yeah. and I, I finally stopped my work and turned around and watched this, <laughs> this part of this episode. It was just so sexist and racist, and I can't believe they're still playing it. MeTV said, "Yeah, we'll just we'll play this one." Yeah, well, maybe because uh, MeTV is they call it memorable entertainment. Right. That's what yes. me, me stands for. Right. Uh, maybe because they're kind of a fringe little Perhaps. cable. Thing. Perhaps they figured, well, go under the radar, and the only people who will watch it are possibly people that grew up thinking that was okay. I suppose so, I don't know. I was really, I, I, it, it shouldn't be surprising because that's what it, what 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 it was in the day. But I just was like, just the blatancy of it just kind of yeah. stunned me. And then, well, and then, and then the Brady Bunch came on, and everything was fine. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. I've seen what you're talking about, but I've also seen uh, the other side of it is that things from that I'm watching, like from the 50s and 60s, uh, when you would assume most of the uh, most of the thinking was sort of backward, knuckle dragging stuff like that. I see, you know, like in the Rifleman, the Rifleman uh, coming to the defense of a of a guy, and they always called him half breed. Yes, uh, you know. Yes, uh, it's just so and, awful. <laughs> who's getting be, he, who's being besieged and is much beleaguered by the right. people of the town and and uh, Chuck Connors comes forward and yes. defends him and does the right thing. The rifleman. I see some yes. degree of enlightenment in some of those shows. Sure. Let's face it, a, a TV mirrored society, yes. but it also 
at its best, could kind of lead the way a little bit, too. Indeed. Pull people who had one way, one way of thinking and maybe change their thinking. So Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. I think now, by the way, those shows are fun to look at because, you know, they kind of reflect, well, arguably, they reflect America when it was great. Mm-hmm. And we want to go back to America being great again. Go watch those shows. Yeah. But um, I bring you a message. A message few of you will be able to believe. A message of great importance. A message I alone was able to read in the fires of the universe. But be not afraid, my friends. I also bring you the means with which to save yourself. Uh, your name is Trump? All right, Sheriff. How long are you going to put up with this? How long are you going to let this con man walk around town? Be careful, son. I can sue you. But stealing is stealing, whether you do it with a gun or a mouthful of mealy words. I don't intend to sit here and be insulted, Sheriff. If your people don't want my help, I can go elsewhere. Wait a minute, Mr. Trump. You don't talk for the rest of us. Since the sheriff wouldn't stop Trump, Hobie had to find somebody who would. Sheriff Chet Farrow was the gun law and helper, and Judge Clement was the book law. Are you here about Trump? Yes, sir. What are you going to do about him? What do you want me to do? Stop him. From what? From taking the town. Can you prove that that's what he has in mind? In order to arrest him, the sheriff has to have a charge. And Trump hasn't given him a thing to go on. That's uh, a funny thing. When we were kids, we were all afraid of the dark. And we grew up, and we weren't afraid anymore. But it's funny how a big lie can make us all kids again. Hobie had checked the town. The people were ready to believe. Like sheep, they ran toward the slaughterhouse. And waiting for them was the high priest of fraud. I am the only one. Just me. I can build a wall around your homes that nothing will penetrate. What do we do? How do we save ourselves? You ask, how do you build that wall? You ask, and I'm here to tell you. You're a liar, Trump. Where you and I disagree. You're under arrest, Trump. What charge? Well, you write it any way you like. Grand theft, fraud, I think a jury will find it stealing. But I, I think we're in the golden age of TV right now. I mean, there is so much wonderful stuff on, whether it's Netflix, HBO, uh, Hulu, Am- Amazon. Yeah, Amazon's doing a lot of... There's some, there's some terrific stuff. You know, back in the olden days, movie stars... They didn't want anything to do with TV. Right, that's right. They, they stayed away. It was considered such a come down. Mm-hmm. They would never consider doing it. And now that's the place to go for sure. Good scripts and uh, and longevity and and a good paycheck. Because if you're in a series, yeah. you're going to get a paycheck for years. So in a TV or movie, it's it's a one time shot, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. and those great multi part series, if they take a great story. Uh, they can they can do more with it than the confines of two hours of a movie. They can really tell the story the way it, you know arguably should be told episodically over a period of seven or eight hours instead of two. Right. I, I'm just thinking it's terrific. Uh, here's my list of shows. If you if you have access to any of these uh, any of these channels, uh, the, uh, Amazon, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Have you seen that? Yeah, I started watching it, 
and you got to stick with it. You'll yeah, love it. Yeah. Okay. It was one of those. I think of you when I watch really? it. Really? Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I watched. I think the first episode, and then I don't know. Something shiny happened, and I looked at it, and I haven't gone back. So I, I, Give it I I'll try. go back to it. Answer me, Miriam. I was out. Out where? With a friend. What friend? I'm sorry. Did something happen? Do you know what time it is? It's late. It's two o'clock in the morning. Don't you wear a watch? Not with this outfit. We were worried, Miriam. Worried sick, if you must know. Your mother vomited. I did not vomit. Well, she did something in the bathroom that took a very long time, and she did not come out looking happy. I'm sorry I was late, but... But what? You do know I'm not 16 anymore, don't you? Because it won, and it won, yeah, and it won uh, quite a few Emmys. Yeah, yeah, it did, it did. Uh, and uh, oh, Sneaky Pete, we've talked about before. Yes. Hi, Grandma. Grandpa. It's me, Pete. Where have you been for the last 20 years? Tell us what you've been doing. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. And one called uh, Goliath with Billy Bob Thornton. I started watching Terrific. that one too, but I, I lost interest. So I guess I will go back to that one. Sneaky Pete, I yeah. think uh, third season coming up. Or second, maybe yes. it's in the second season. Well, now. second season's done, so you've watched it, well, right? No, I'm, I haven't watched it. Because I texted all. No. you and said, "Hey, Sneaky Pete, second season earlier yeah. this year." Oh no, we're we're darting between all these different shows, right? And and as the time we're taping this, uh, House of Cards final season is coming up. That's fabulous. Yeah, and it should be very interesting this time, with uh, a certain actor no longer part mm-hmm. of the series, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Robin Wright, who's terrific, uh, as the the president of the United States. Right. But she's got the the character of her husband as president was a pretty bad guy. But she's got a lot of uh, skeletons in her closet too. My first 100 days as president have been difficult. I lost my husband. We were about to celebrate 30 years together. Your husband and I had an agreement. Francis is dead. Promises were made. Not by me. Here's the thing. Whatever Francis told you the last five years, don't believe a word of it. There was a, another another series um, uh, on uh, Netflix <clears throat> called that Haunting of, of House Hill. Hill House. Are you watching that Haunting of Hill House? Yeah, I there I heard a lot of buzz about it, and I just started the first episode uh, last night, and uh, it's pretty good. It's kind of scary. Mommy. It's time to wake up, sweetheart. Yeah, see, I I I love that kind of stuff, yeah. and I've heard great things about that, but. To get my wife to watch it is going to be tough. Well, but but if I tell her that you watched it, maybe that'll say, well, okay, at least I can. But she. <laughs> there was an original movie called The Haunting of Hill House, I believe, or maybe it was just called The Haunting. Yeah, they've they've had some movies about it, but the series. But it's the scariest movie that she can ever remember because uh, you don't see anything in the movie. Like a room is dark at night, and then a woman brushes up against something furry. Oh. He turns the lights on, and there's nothing there. You know, that kind of psychological thriller is 
even scarier than any monster movie. Yeah, and but everybody has their genre. I was talking to a friend about this last night, their genre of what scares them. Um, mine is <clears throat> supernatural possession movies and, yeah, the and zombie movies. Now, my mother uh, loved uh, vampire movies were her, her, that was her thing. My niece, <clears throat> my grown niece, when she comes over and we watch scaries, her, hers is home invasion movies, real, real, <laughs> real people, home invasion movies. And yeah. they just freak her out. And, and I'll watch them go, ah, yeah, that was, it was scary, but it doesn't, didn't keep me up at night. So it's funny how everyone has their, their yeah. genre of what really kind of freaks them out. I have a, my other friend had, she can't any religious movies, whether it's, about possession or not, just any of those type of religion horror movies surrounding religions just freak her out. So it's kind yeah. of funny. I'm watching a series called the something like the History of Horror. Yes, Eli and Eli the, Roth. The Exorcist is a movie that traumatized me mm. like no other, and it did a lot of people too. Yeah, that movie scared me so much that I'm Jewish and made me believe in the devil. I would sleep with a rosary next to my bed every night, and after we watched the movie, my cousin went into my room and I fell asleep, and he started shaking my bed. I'm traumatized. I have full-blown exorcist PTSD. Yeah, yes, that's a, I'm watching yeah, it produce. too. It's a great series. Yeah. See, I don't like slasher movies, yeah. but I'm enjoying I'm enjoying watching uh, the idea yes. of where this all came from and and how they do the special effects. Yeah, it's a fantastic series for people who haven't it watched really it. Good. It's very good. The first episode talked about zombies, and uh, of course, George Romero's really kicking things off, although he wasn't apparently the first one to do a zombie movie. The second uh, episode was a two-parter about slasher movies, which was which was pretty yeah, good. I'm th which I'm kind of in the middle of right now. And then now. the third one was the, the possession, uh, possession movies, which was really good. So, yeah, definitely watch this. Well, you know, that one is two-thirds of the law. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> Night of the Living Dead remains the scariest movie I ever saw. At the, at least at at least at the time I saw it. So Night of the Living Dead. You're talking about the one in the '60s, the black and white. Yeah, black yes, and white. Yeah. You used to really be scared here. Johnny, you're still afraid. Stop it now! I mean it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Yeah, that was my mom's favorite. Strange. Yeah. Just bizarre. Yeah. And, oh, and I think it's creepy, also creepy, interesting creepy. that they talk about the. The cultural um, culture and society and all those sort of messages that are in all of these movies, which I hadn't really thought about because I'm too busy getting the pants scared off me. And it is kind of interesting to look back and see that those things reflect the times that we were in, especially having yeah. a black protagonist in the Night of the Living Dead. Uh, yeah, and, and around the time of the Vietnam right, War right. and all of yeah, that. Yeah, it was yeah. really interesting. One of the guys, uh, one of the commentators talked about how uh, it, and it, it is often like uh, disaffected, disenfranchised, dyspeptic teenage kids that are getting killed. Yeah. Uh, that are spoiled, they're rotten, we don't like them, we have nothing invested in them. So when they, when they get killed, we're actually rooting for the killer right. who has way more personality than they do. 
whether it's Freddy Krueger or Mike Myers or whatever. Jason. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. And of course, the yeah. rule, you know, the, the the message is about not having sex outside of marriage. So any teenagers that are having sex usually get killed in these movies. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know they're going to die if they're having and sex. The, and, and the whole yeah. Last Girl Standing is really fantastic. Um, there was actually a movie done called Last Girl Standing. Um, because that's usually what happens in these movies is there's one final girl. or I think it's the final girl called the final girl. But, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's interesting. Um, this uh, new uh, Halloween movie with Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis is just doing great box office, so that, that genre just goes on and on. I, and she is the sole survivor of all of, of, all of those Halloween movies. I decided to go back and watch the original Halloween last night. Come on out. It's uh, it's it's not very scary. It's not. It, it's. I've never. I don't think I've watched any of those movies. The Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, Halloween. I, I don't either. I, I know of them, but I have never sat and watched. I'm not them. into the slasher film genre. I'm just uh, that doesn't really appeal to me. But I went back and watched it and thought it was a little creepy, but not too bad compared to what we go through now. Well, it's like anything else. You start at one level and then. If I'm going to do a sequel, I got to step up my game. I got to make it even right. more outlandish than the than the previous right. version. I think for me, and this is probably true for you too, slasher movies are too much like our real life, you know. And and so you want to go to movies that are more escapist. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean real life? There's no somebody's like running around with a hockey mask on. Oh, oh, I guess that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and I am fascinated about by the special effects. And I I remember as a young girl that I always wanted to, that's what I wanted to get into was being a special effects artist. I just, I think that's really fun. Every. Yeah. I think a lot of kids experiment with that. I know I did with the rubber tubing, the fake blood and all that. Yeah. So I, this brings me to a book that I'm reading and a a documentary that, that I think is really interesting because it's about kids who are doing a fan film. And you may have heard of this, um, and I'm reading the book, and I all, I saw the documentary. Uh, these kids uh, put together a fan film of Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, and it's uh, Eric Zala and Chris Strompolis. And they started this project when they were 11 years old. So they had just seen the movie when it first came out, and they got together and said, hey, let's reshoot. And they reshot this movie frame by frame exactly how the movie was done, but it's taken them years and years to do it. So I'm still in the middle of the book, but the fun part is them figuring out the special effects. And the biggest challenge they had was the big boulder in the ve- right. I was just thinking in of the that. beginning of this of the movie that chases Indy out of the cave, and these poor kids trying to come up with solutions for this boulder is pretty hilarious. They actually finally made one. They stayed up to like four in the morning in one of the boys' bedrooms, making it out of paper mache and cardboard and whatever. But they built it so big it couldn't fit through the bedroom door. <laughs> so <laughs> they they were very excited. The next morning they got up and they went, oh, crap. We just built it. We can't get it out the door. So they had to squash it and start over. But I, I won't give away how they finally end up doing that. That sounds and, great. And just even the snake scene and they they the yeah. bar. See, that's where I that's where I the would bar be scene. Un- the bar scene and and the, their mother's basement. They set up as the bar in in Nepal and they set fire to it and almost burned down the house. And it's just a 
fascinating look at what kids and they just every summer they'd get together and they'd get older and older and older and and they'd just keep storyboarding scenes and putting them together and getting their friends to be the you know the extras playing the Nazis and you know I just it's a really fun book if you ever want to go back to to stuff you did as a kid this documentary is fantastic it's uh, the story of the greatest fam fan film ever made Raiders so there's a documentary and a book about it so it's really fun That's super so fun so super great. when I went to go see Raiders of the Lost Ark it, it, it really just kind of split my brain in half and I wanted nothing more than to play Indiana Jones Chris told me mom I want to make a movie and there's this kid at school that is a filmmaker and that was Eric Raiders of the Lost Ark remade shot for shot by 11 year old kids in 1982 that sounds awesome I think we're in an age now you know it, making films used to be sort of the province of of I wouldn't I wouldn't want to say privileged or or wealthier kids but it kind of was cuz you had to have somebody had to have a camera yes. and you had to you know you had to buy a bunch of equipment and it, and now it's pretty much accessible it's very much an egalitarian thing a, 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 any kid and many do. If they want to make a movie, mm-hmm. they can yeah. with their friends. I know. And, I wish I could have. Yeah. I wanted to make... That's what I wanted to do as a kid was make movies and be do special effects. And yeah, we were... I was way too poor growing up to ever realize that dream. I think that's why this documentary and this book is so fun for me because it, it is just a blast watching them go through figuring all these things out and occupying yeah, their time neat. and using their creativity and not sitting in front you know they're not sitting in front of a video game screen or on their phones they're out doing something making this movie it's just so fun so much fun I like yeah. that I like yeah. that that's yeah. great Is okay? I mean did anybody get hurt in the making of this film I was sitting in the airport the other day minding my this was in the Redmond Oregon airport getting ready to catch a flight and it's always a morning flight that I take, and invariably in the morning, what I'm flying to Seattle. So if anything has gone awry in Seattle, that plane in Redmond ain't leaving. Mm-hmm. And so there was there was fog in Seattle, and they, and they're working on an on one of the runways, so they're, the planes are backing up. So this flight was delayed a couple of hours. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'm not going to get in the car and drive all the way back home. I'll just I'll just sit here and work on some things and write some material that I'm going to do at this event I was going to. So I, I, and I'm sure you do this too. I, I just kind of pay attention to conversations that are going on around me and I, (laughs) and I watch people uh, that are acting in in a way that let's just say is noticeable. Yes. So, so Here's some conversations that I heard, and I wrote them down. I put them notes in my phone because I wouldn't, didn't want to forget them. <laughs> That's so great. And, I, and I'm always hearing conversations where somebody else, somebody who is not present, is being tracked. Yes, I hear. I noticed that, too. And, I, and doesn't it make you think, oh, Lord, who's talking about yeah. me? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I get a little paranoid. So, so I wrote these down word for word. <laughs> Oh, she's incredibly lazy. So that's our advantage. Do not trust him. He's a phony of the first order. Believe me. And then they, and then one woman said, Karen is such a creep. Karen is such a creep. She's always talking about people behind their backs. I really heard that. That's so funny. Uh, oh, this one was great. I was standing in the TSA line. 
and it was a long line. And this woman comes up behind me with her husband, and she is just <laughs> hectoring this poor guy. And and she doesn't care who's paying attention or who's hearing it. She's going, you're an idiot. You know that? Oh. You're an idiot. You think you know everything. Oh, no, I couldn't possibly be right. You're the one who's always right. And guess what? Now we're stuck in this ridiculously long line because you never listen to me. And the guy is just silent. He just, he doesn't. He doesn't rise to the combat or anything. He just is very obsequious. Just takes it. He's very aware that people are listening. He's looking around. Um, and it just got does really that, uncomfortable. I was going to say, does that, because it makes me really uncomfortable when I hear oh, yeah. people bickering. And it's very hard to sort of sit there with it. And Yeah, I can't take that. I can't take people yelling at their kids in public. Yeah. Much less actually, you know, getting physical with them. I don't that, see that. Is really I don't see that. Oh, I really? Do. I do. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Maybe it's my neighborhood. Yeah, you must. <laughs> what kind of a neighborhood do you live in? Yeah, uh, no. One with three WalMarts. Do you step in? I um, mean, is that? I, I mean, if somebody was being physical with somebody, I would feel. Of course, me, big Miss Budinsky. I have to butt into everything. Um, I. Yeah, I have done that because I mean, it just it depends on what level. If they're yelling at their kid, that's that's not cool, but. Uh, that probably would not well emotional cause um, me to make emotional a move, abuse it, is sometimes worse than physical abuse. Oh, I agree with that, uh, but uh, I don't know. You just have to call it on a case by case basis, I guess, uh, and and take account of the circumstances. Uh, here's another one that I heard, and and again, I'm just walking through the airport in this case, and this is the passing conversation that one guy is having, a younger guy is having with another guy. This is verbatim. Hey, dude, did you hear what that woman with the beard said to me? <laughs> That's all I heard. <laughs> oh, my God. That was that probably one. me. Oh, could be. Could be. So, anyway, uh, I, I'm backing up to where I started on this thing. I'm sitting at this airport, and I got two hours to kill. And I see this guy, and he comes walking along, and he's, I don't know, he's probably in his mid-30s. And, uh, in fact, I know he's in his mid-30s because I find out about him later. He's got this, this metal kind of canteen hanging off his belt, and he's banging it into everything as he's making his way across the airport. And he's talking real loud to somebody on the phone oh. and sort of oblivious to the fact that he's making a lot of noise and causing a lot of turmoil. He plops himself down. And he starts making a biz, some sort of business call. He, he's talking to some business associate. And he said, how, how do you think it went? Huh? What? No, I swear, I had the mute button on the whole time. Did they hear that? Oh, they, they didn't hear that. Did they hear that? Oh, man. I swear I had the mute button on. Maybe I had it off. Oh, jeez. We, I don't know how we're going to get this back, but we, uh, <laughs> let me think about this for a while. And that guy leaves. <laughs> then another guy comes into the airport lobby, and he is even at more full volume. And he's got his laptop in front of him, and so he's, he's communicating, and he conducts a, uh, what appears to be a Skype meeting of some kind. And, he, and again, he's talking at full volume, and he says, 
And, and this, again, I wrote down as much as I could, but this is the essence of what he said. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for joining me, man. I'm, I'm sorry I cannot be with you in person today, but glad we could gather through the miracle of digital technology. <laughs> and then he proceeds to tell inadvertently everybody in the waiting area in the airport his life story. He tells his life story, his struggles with psychological oh problems, my gosh. depression, pills, his suicidal <gasps> tendencies, mania. Um, and uh, and if anybody listening to this wants to do the research, they'll figure out his name. Because he, at one point in his life, he gets on to the Golden Gate Bridge. And his story is, and as he, he says his name and his mom's name, so I, I'm sitting over there Googling him while he's doing this doing this presentation and I find out all about him and he's got a he's got a website he's got a foundation he started to de to help people who have depression and 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 suicide and uh, suicidal tendencies I walked across the walkway of the Golden Gate Bridge for 40 minutes up and down back and forth crying like a baby bikers joggers tourists runners they all went by me police officers searching for suicidal people went by me twice I'm leaning over the rail, crying like a baby. They went by me twice, nobody cares. And the voice in my head said, jump now, and I did. At the millisecond that my hands left that rail, instant regret for my actions, and the absolute recognition that I just made the greatest mistake of my life. You know, falling head first, right in my body accidentally, landed in a position that wouldn't kill me. On the way down, I said to myself, what have I just done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. And I hit the water. And this is the part where I don't know if it's just a good story or real, but supposedly a harbor seal or something like that gets underneath him and keeps him afloat. What? For a long period of time until Coast Guard or somebody comes and rescues him. Huh. I don't this, know. So this is the story he's telling. I don't telling. know about that. Yeah, I thought that was a that was, it's good. It sounds good. Yeah, but he, you know, he's swearing it's true to these people he's talking to in this Skype presentation. You could probably just Google that basic information. Man who survives Golden Gate Bridge jump and interesting. And yeah, it was very interesting. And he's apparently he he's and I got on his website. He travels all around the country given this message of hope. I want you to learn from me. Suicide is not the answer, and you deserve to be here for you. But your pain is valid, your pain is real, and your pain matters because you do. It's just funny. I learned his whole story uh, just sitting there in the airport, paying just a little bit of attention. You didn't have to pay a lot of attention because it was pretty yeah. loud. Funny. Speaking of that, mm. I go to this thing the other day, this event, and there's this younger guy. I'd say he's probably in his mid thirties, and I've and he's uh, shot uh, film uh, videotape for me uh, on various projects I've done and on our TV show that I used to do and stuff. So I've I've known I've known him for a while, and he's a nice kid. And I'm getting ready to do this event, and I get up and I tell some jokes and do something goofy. I can't remember what it was, and so and then I come off the stage while somebody else is speaking. And the kid says to me, hey, uh, I was always going to ask you, have you done cocaine? Oh. <laughs> what? And I go, I said, uh, what? Have you done, ever done coke? Do you do coke? <laughs> Random question. I said, well, 
Yeah, I know. And I said, I said, well, not today. Actually, no, I, have, I have never done it, Coke. He said, what about LSD? Uh, no. And I'm not lying to him. I never have. I know, but uh, but do you do heroin or meta, meta methamphetamines or anything? I said, no, no. I said, why are you asking me this? He said, oh, I don't know. I just, just as I watch you through the years, I just figured you must be on something like that. I've always that? wondered that too. Um, okay. I, I'm going to ask you if you can end the episode with one joke, but it has to be. You are asking me to. Yes. Would you? Wow, that uh, that surprises me. I I just thought. No, no, they're no, they're good. I just think three's too many. I think I think it has to be one really solid joke. Do you have one? I think I have one to close this, but I think you're going to like this one. Okay, okay. Right. you always say that. Could you be always wrong. say that, though. <laughs> Could be wrong. And I'm going to embellish this joke with a sound Ooh, effect. Oh, goody. Stay with me on this. A father buys a lie detector robot that slaps people when they lie. <laughs> I like it already. I wish, there, I, know. <laughs> I, I wish there really was one. I like it already. So the guy buys this lie detector robot that slaps people when they lie, and he takes it home to test it out at dinner one night. So they're sitting there, the dad, the mom, the son, and the lie detector robot, and the dad says to his son, Oh, son, what did you do this afternoon? And the kid says, oh, I, I did some homework. And the robot slaps the son. Son says, Okay, okay, I... I wasn't doing homework. I was at a friend's house watching movies. Dad says, oh, really? What movie did you watch? Ah, uh, Toy Story. The robot slaps the kid. <laughs> kid says, okay, okay. I, We were watching porn. Oh, okay. Dad says, what? At your age, I didn't even know what porn was. The robot slaps the dad. <laughs> okay, that was good. Mom laughs at all of this and says, well, he certainly is your son. The robot oh. slaps them off. <laughs> Next morning on eBay, lie detector robot for sale. Find me a place in the boxcar. I take my guitar to pass some time. Late at night when it's hard to rest, I hold your little picture to my chest. And you know what? I feel fine. It's a rainy night in Georgia. A rainy night in Georgia. Lord, I believe it's raining all over the world. Thanks for listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. <laughs> <laughs>